All right. Thank you, Wesley. Man, I can tell that um, I can tell that you all had an extra hour of sleep last night. Got to roll everything back. Uh, of course, for Tennessee fans, that just meant an extra hour of nightmares of seeing your quarterback being sacked all over again. You know, we've heard there's a red wave coming. We thought it was on Tuesday. Who knew it was on Saturday in Athens, right? <laughs> oh, man, such fun, such fun. Hey, glad to see whether you are Tennessee, Georgia, LSU, Auburn, Florida. We're even glad to have the Alabama people here today. Today's lesson is on humility. Um, <laughs> Oh, wow. Man, good stuff. Hey, um, if you want more information about the great news that I shared earlier, uh, the reason that I, I, the reason I have my glasses, I don't normally like to read things, but I was wanting to make sure that I, that I hit everything that was going to be on uh, this uh, sheet of paper that's going to be available for you in the lobby at the Connection Center. If you'd like to um, have a little bit more information or see uh, what it was that uh, was being uh, shared earlier, and so I want you to be able to want you to be able to do that. So you can go to the Connection Center as we are um, dismissing this morning and, and and find this, and it probably reads a lot better than than what I than what I shared. Uh, leading up to today, we've been in a series that's called uh, "Dear Married Me," and I told all of our singles, I'm like, "Hey guys, hang in there with me. I need the singles to hang in." Uh, because we were going to have some time where we would focus on Dear Single Me. All right, and that time has arrived. And so I appreciate all those singles who said, you know what, I, uh, I'm going to hang in. And I appreciate the fact that over the last three weeks, you've been praying for those who are in our church family who are married, those couples who are sitting around you. You've not complained that we have intentionally focused time to um, strengthen and build up the marriages here within our church. And you have even taken some notes yourself and said, hey, I'm going to put these away because there could be a different season of life coming for me. And, and I'm going to need to remember some of the things that we have, that we've talked about. And during this whole time, I really hope that you have become more spiritually aware of the exclusive nature of your relationship with God and the relationship that God continues to want to, to have with you. We mentioned last week that nearly 50% of U.S. adults are single. And that there are now fewer married men or women in our society than at any point in the last 70 years. And so that means that if you're a single man, a single woman, you're part of our church family, you are actually more part of the rule than the exception within our society. And so we're going to focus the next couple of weeks on, on you. And, and so that means I need for all of, our, all of our married people to be as good as all of our single people were over these last few weeks. Uh, we're going to be talking about the singles, but that means that, look, if you're married, I still want you coming to be with us each week, okay? You can't go to bed church, okay? You can't go to lake church. You're like, but hey, I'll watch online, right? Sure you will, right, yeah. Hey, we want you to be here because we want you also praying for our singles. And we want you meeting different ones who are here that, uh, that are single men and women who are part of our church family. If you haven't known them yet, haven't met them in different stages of the way that we get together and interact as a, um, as a, church, as a church family. Uh, but you might remember, if you were here last week, as we were talking about this, this whole idea, uh, I said that we had some royalty who was a part of our church family. And I mentioned that Wilbur and Murtis Johnson have been married for 70 years, right? Um, and so we had a big, big clap for them. That's right, we did. They were watching online. 
Uh, well, they are, they are, they are back with us this morning. They're able to uh, get out and, and be here. And, and so, Brittany, why don't you come and meet me, if you don't mind? Uh, we have something for them to commemorate their 70 years of, you know, together. Now, we're not going to let you drive with these in the back of your car, all right? But, that's right, we've had these for a week, so they're a little deflated, but that's all right. You know, we, we, we have had these waiting on you, because you, we knew that you'd be back. We knew you'd be here with us. And so let me just, want to make sure they don't fly away here. Let me um, hook these in. Yeah, we're just going to let them, just going to let them float around and, and, and let people, if you want to come and hold them and see what it feels like to be married for 70 years, you can do that, okay? That's what, that's what you can do. Let's see here. I can do that. Now, over the last 70 years that you guys have, have, have been married, uh, I, I can tell because of the, you know, we've known each other for 17 of those years. And one thing that I know for sure is that uh, your marriage has been sustained not just by a love for others, but also a love for, a love for the Lord. And I just want to say on behalf of me and Miss Tanya, who we've hit 25, we're trying to catch up with you guys, uh, but on behalf of us, thank you for being such a wonderful example of a Christian man and woman and what marriage is supposed to look like. Thank you. Love you both. All right. Here we go. And we'll leave the shiny things here for all of you that have a hard time focusing, right? And we'll let you, uh, let you enjoy those. No, great to be able to celebrate with the two of you. And, um, and, and for all of you who are in the midst of, of whatever years that you are when it comes to your relationship, right? Um, so with this whole, whole theme that we've been looking at, I've shared over the last few weeks how that Within my family, uh, my grandmother made a great chocolate cake that others within the family tried to make, okay? But once my grandmother had passed away, even though we had the recipe, there were a lot of little loves that were just left out of that particular recipe. Now, you can make the cake, and it could taste really good, but it just didn't taste like my grandma made because of those little loves, you know, a little of this, a little of that that she would, you know, put in there. And so we focused when it came to our, our married families who were here on things that perhaps were then missing from the recipe that they were using within their marriage relationship, okay? All right, a little different slant here for the singles. Because after we figured out that no one could really make my grandmother's chocolate cake, my cousin decided that she would then shift to making a chocolate pie. And that is what would, would show up at Thanksgiving and at Christmas. And, and, and my dad would request, all right, what, what do you want? He would always say, well, as long as Amy brings that chocolate pie, everything's you know, going to be okay. Well, there was only one problem. Because when we first started this transition from cake to pie, and she wanted to make sure that everything was right, there was this big buildup to how we're going to have chocolate pie this year at, at Thanksgiving, and it's going to be great. And the chocolate pie was there, and it looked lovely. It, it really did, and, and it smelled really good. And, and my dad was given one of the first pieces, and, and, and so he cut a big piece and had it sitting there, had his coffee cup, all the steam coming off the coffee, and he picks up his fork, and he goes and takes that first bite of Amy's chocolate pie. 
And then he stopped, put down the fork, picked up his coffee, and drank for a good while, which, you know, normally when you drink coffee, you kind of sip it, but it was more of a, just a, a, a purging of the palate that was going on. And he said, well, what do you think? He said, well, it's not bad as long as you don't call it pie. <laughs> um, he, said, um, he said, Amy, uh, on that recipe, does it call for sugar or salt? And as you all have gone, oh, yes, she did. She made a chocolate pie with salt instead of sugar. And so, and so there we were. Everybody was looking forward to it, getting the pie, and it looked really good. But there was something that was there that was not supposed to be. And so since our marriages have some things that are oftentimes missing, I thought we would talk to our singles a little bit about some things that are maybe a part of your life that, well, it looks good. It looks good, and you think, well, well everybody else's life kind of looks like this, but, but maybe there's a couple of things that you have in addition to what really should be there. And the one that I want us to focus on uh, today is something that I've heard from, from a lot uh, of single friends through the years. And understand, when we're talking about singles, we're not just talking about those who are uh, you know, young adults, high school, college, you know, off uh, you know, in the workforce. Uh, we're, we're also talking about those who have perhaps been in marriages that, for whatever reason, did, did not last. Okay, we're talking about individuals who have gone through the death of a spouse. And, and so you, you can be single uh, by choice. You can be single by circumstance. Neither is wrong. We've said this a couple of weeks ago. Being single, man, that, that, that is great. And, and I've heard some people before say, man, the best times of my life were when I was single. They didn't say that when their spouse could hear, but they said that. They were really excited about it. And, and, and so being single comes at different stages and at different times for different reasons, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's the young adult. It, it doesn't matter if it's the person who has been in relationships before or if it's that individual who has, who has said goodbye to a spouse of many years. There's an extra ingredient that's a part of their life. And it's anxiety. And, and I hear from, from so many who are single who just have all these different worries and concerns. Um, worried, about, worried about what the future holds. Worried about how others see them. Worried about, worried about if, if, if people are going to welcome them, if they're going to be accepted. Uh, if you've never experienced this before, I just want you to know that some of the hardest times for singles is when they come to church. When they come to church, you know, we just announced that, hey, we've got someone that we're going to have focused in an area that's called family ministry. And we've got singles sitting here going, well, does that include, does that include me? Because that's one of those areas where it's like, hey, is that a family? Yeah, you're, you're just a single family, right? You're just a single family, but, but you're still a family a family unit, but it can be difficult for, for singles within a church community because of all the married families that, that are present and for all the couples that are here. And, and so it can be hard sometimes figuring out, well, where do I sit and what class do I go to? What small group should I be a part of? What ministry should I participate in? That anxiety begins to build up. And, and then there's this thought again about what's coming down What's coming down the road for me? Is there going to be a relationship? Should I worry about that or not? And what about finances? Am I going to be able to take care of things on, on, on my own? And what about this current job that I have with things that will go in the way they are in the economy? Am I going to need to keep this? Do I need to get a second job? Do I need to be looking for a different type of career? 
What, what is it that needs to be taking place and happening? So there's all of these different concerns. And then as you get older, you add, it's like, all right, you know, is my retirement going to be able to hold out? Um, maybe you are someone who is single, and I've heard this said before, how that, you know, I would really, I really like to be in another relationship or, or maybe a first relationship with someone, but I'm just worried because I've been single so long. I really don't know what to do. It's, it's it's kind of anxious to get back into this dating game and because people don't even date the same way anymore. They don't even talk to each other first. It's all online. And, and what am I supposed to do? Do I swipe left? Do I swipe right? Up or down? I mean, what? I don't understand. Guys, when it comes to anxiety, I want you to understand that worry and anxiety, these are really barometers of what we believe about God. Okay? It's a barometer of what we really believe about God. It's not, it's not a negative character trait or a habit that we try to overcome. When there is anxiety and when there is worry, it reveals what we believe to be true or not true about the God who has said we'll, we'll take care of the deepest levels of our soul and the deepest needs that we, that we have. And I think something has short-circuited our understanding of who God is. And this doesn't matter, single, married, doesn't matter what stage of life you're in, but I think even more specifically, our anxiety reveals that we sometimes have begun to believe that God is not powerful enough, and he's not loving enough, and he's surely not wise enough. Our level of anxiety reveals that we only give God lip service sometimes to the supposed power that he has. I mean, we can tell other people how that God flung the stars into the sky and, and how he parted the Red Sea. And, and we can talk about how, from memory, the story of, of how fire came and burned up the altar that was there, soaked with water. But, but our own experiences, our own experiences often fail to measure up to those grand displays of power. And so as we age then into adulthood, all those stories become, for many of us, just that. They just become stories. And then we're left hoping against hope that God is truly powerful enough. That he's powerful enough, even though we don't see any real evidence in our own experience, that maybe he's powerful enough to really make a difference in my life and to help me make a difference in the life of others. Or maybe you do think that God is powerful, but you just have a hard time believing that God is loving. I mean, not really. Because maybe as you've gotten older, you've had one too many experiences of what love is supposed to be like, and then... Well, it didn't go the way that you thought. You see, those experiences have taught that, that love is just a passing affection. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. You say, Chris, it wasn't my intent to be single at this stage of my life. It wasn't my intent to be single. I wasn't the one that chose it. I wasn't the one that wanted this. It was something, though, that was brought into my house. It was something that came to my family. It was something that landed on top of me. And I just don't know if I trust love anymore. Love means using someone else for your own gratification or your own end. That's what you say you've seen. Or, or love, well, it's only applicable when times are convenient. You say, that's what I've been experiencing. And all in all, when, when you look at it all, you say, I'm just burned out on love. And it would just be great if there were some God who was up there in the cosmic heavens who did love us, but I just can't see to muster up enough emotional energy to believe that he could because I've been burned way too many times by individuals who said, I love you tonight, but not in the morning. I love you today. but not next week. I loved you when I said I do. I don't now that we sign I don't. 
Or maybe you don't struggle with God's love and you don't struggle that God is powerful. But what you do doubt and where your issue is, it was with God's wisdom. And you have serious doubts about whether God knows the right time to exercise all of his power and all of the love that you believe is actually his. You've looked at your life and you've said, you know, I've strived to remain pure. I've strived to remain focused and purposeful. I've tried to make sure I understand that it is God that completes me and no one else. All these things that we talk about. But I'm just waiting to see where God's wisdom is in all the things that are happening right now in my life. Because it's really just a struggle. It's really difficult. You know, there was a group of followers of God who struggled mightily throughout the pages of the Old Testament with this type of issue. And one of their biggest anxious moments is recorded for us in Numbers chapter 13. It's in your Hebrew Bible there, what we normally refer to as the Old Testament. Love for you to open up there just for a couple of minutes. Just want to look at, at something real quickly. It's in Numbers chapter 13, also there in chapter 14. You see, these people had made it to the doorstep of receiving a land of promise that was going to be given to them by their God, only to learn that there were some really big people who were living there in the land. Now, they should not have been surprised when the report came back that there were some big people there and that it was beautiful and the land was occupied because that was the report that God had given the people and said, this is what you're going to find. And when those spies who went to the land came back and said, wow, it is gorgeous, but man, there are some huge people there. Instead of the, the, the whole assembly of Israel hearing that and going, God is faithful. That's exactly what he told us. That's how he said it was going to be. They began to quiver. They began to cower and they said, we can't do it. They became worried and they became anxious and they asked this question. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land? Why is the Lord bringing us to this land? And maybe some of you who are single this morning, you've thought that. You've wondered why the Lord has brought you to the place that you are. Why has the Lord brought me here? at this time in my life? Why, why do I have this job right now? And why am I having this relationship issue? And, and you know, I'm, I'm struggling when it comes to the separation between having my own adult life and the, the, the life that my family has and finances are an issue. I just wonder, why has the Lord brought me here? Only to fall in battle, it says. Only to fall by the sword. They ask, why has the Lord just brought us here to let us fail? Why? They say our families, our wives and children have been taken in plunder. Would it just be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back. That's what we need to do. The Lord doesn't love us. If he did, he wouldn't have brought us here. The Lord isn't powerful. I mean, all of our friends, all of our families, we're going to be destroyed because of where we are right now. The Lord isn't wise, so let's just choose someone else to be our leader and to make decisions for us so that we can go back to what is going to be comfortable, so we can go back to somewhere where we feel like we're going to be cared for. And maybe that sounds familiar to you. Maybe you've questioned whether or not God loves you. Because if he, if he did love you, he wouldn't have allowed this, whatever this might be in your life, to happen, right? He must not be very powerful. I mean, how, how am I going to afford living on my own? And then the Lord isn't wise. And so I'm just going to choose my own path. I'm going to choose my own path, and I'm going to drown all of these concerns in my work, and in some friendships that I have, and in relationships that I can find online, 
and alcohol. Whatever it might be, I'm just, I'm just going to go my own way because I really don't like where it is that the Lord has brought me to this point. And guys, unlike children who implicitly and innocently trust that their parents know, trust that their parents know and they trust that their parents are able and willing to do what is best for them, we all have lived just long enough to wonder if that's really true of our Heavenly Father. We wonder, is it, is it really true? Is he really powerful enough and does he love us enough and is he wise enough to take us through this season of life that we are in? No matter what comes, no matter if the next season means relationship or no matter if the next season is, is going to continue being the status that I have now because I'm, I feel like this is my calling, but what is going to come and is God going to be faithful in that? And so in Numbers chapter 14, Joshua and Caleb were among the people who explored the land. And they said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only don't rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. So don't be afraid of them. They say, are there big people in the land? Yes. But the Lord is with us. Is there retirement in your future? Yes. But the Lord is with you. Are there doctor visits there? Are your knees falling apart as Chris talked about? Yes. I just had surgery this last week on mine. Are there uncertainties about your financial future? Yes. Are there concerns about your relationship status? Yes, but the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And the saying goes that 90% of the things that we worry about never really actually happen. And so the solution, people say, to our anxiety is just to beat it all back and to tell ourselves the monsters under the bed aren't really real. That the problems, you know, that they're not that bad. But here is the problem. The problem is the 10% of the things that are real. Okay, 90% of the things that you worry about will never impact you. But then there's that 10%. And that 10%, man, the monsters of job loss. So you get out of college. You get your first job. You're trying to figure it all out. One of the first times that you've had this kind of responsibility and there are eyes that are on you and there's expectations on and there are deadlines and when are you going to finish and, and how are you going to get this done and, and if you don't, we're going to go find somebody else to go and do this for you. And what happens when you get let go? What happens when you get let go from that first job? When you get let go from that second job? Or forget about getting that job. How about when you're getting out of college and there you are, you're on your own, you've got your degree and then you're looking out in an economy going, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What kind of job am I going to actually get? That's a big monster that's out there. The economic downturns that go on. The different sicknesses that take place. You're trying to make decisions about yourself and all of a sudden you've got family members that are ill. You've got health issues that are going on. Mom and dad have been trying to help out in different ways and now they're not able to. That's a real 10 percenter. 
Or what about the relational strife that you're looking at? You're trying to figure out, do I step back into that dating pool or not? Do I continue in this relationship that I have? Even though it's really not God-honoring, and it's really not bringing me closer to the Lord, but it's keeping me comfortable, and I feel secure, and I think I've just got to stay in it. I think I've just got to, because I can't imagine myself being on my own again. Guys, all this is real. And who's going to be there for me at home now? Who's going to be there for me at home now? When I used to come home and there was always somebody there that were waiting for me and, and we did things together and we were always together and now who's going to be there at home? Who's going to care if I make it or not? Back to the house after work. The 10% is all too real and it's coming for you. If not now, then soon. You're going to have to worry about 10% of tragedy and 10% of pain and 10% of difficulty. But here's what I want you to understand. Here's what I want you to, uh, to understand as, uh, as you look at this. Um, and, and I want you to, to understand it. I guess when I say here's what I want you to understand, I, I want the married families to hear this when I say this. Look, a lot of those things that I just mentioned, a lot of those things that I just uh, made, um, made a point to, uh, to bring out, you were like, well, yeah, I've been there too, and, and I'm there with a lot of those things, and I've got my own 10%, and, and those really hit home for me. Here's the difference. You don't have to face the 10% by yourself. You don't have to face the 10% by yourself. There is somebody that, that is with you, perhaps for 70 years, that you are able to face that 10% with. And so it's different. But here's for all the singles in the room. You may be single, but you are not alone. You're not alone. See, we're told in Scripture there is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear. You say, well, how does that, how does that work, though? What, what, does this, what does this perfect love actually, actually look like? What is this perfect love that God says drives out fear? What, what might it actually be? It's not about convincing us that our worries aren't valid because... Those things that we worry of are never going to happen. That's not what that kind of love is. The Lord is not so condescending to say, don't worry about that, guys. That's just silly. You guys don't need to worry about it. That's just, that's just silly for you to stay up at night concerned about these things. Instead, the perfect love of God, when confronted with all of our anxiety, when confronted with our worries, and when confronted with our fears, with all of our what-ifs, replies, well, what if it does? What if it does? What if the 10% comes to your house? What if the 10% comes to your apartment? What if your roommate leaves? What if the job options don't improve? What if the right one never comes along? What if the retirement runs out? And the love of God says, well, what if it does? What if it does? Would any of those things separate you from the love and presence of Jesus? Would any of these occurrences, bad as they might be, and real as they are, truly call into question the eternal security that has been stored up for us? Would it change the character of a good and loving and powerful God? You see, fear is not driven out by the love of God because it, it says the 10% won't happen. Fear is not driven out by the love of God because the 10% won't happen, don't worry about it. But fear is driven out because when the 10% does come, it does not change the demonstrated, real, experienced love of God. And so you might be single, but you're not alone. 
You're not alone. And so your single years, no matter if they are early on or later in life, those can be great times for you because you are not alone in those years. Instead, you are with God, being used by God for things to do in the kingdom of God. And so what shall we say about such wonderful things as this? If God is for us, then who can ever be against us? Who can ever be against us? Who dares accuse us? No one. No one can. There is no condemnation. No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised alive for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. So can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble? Or if we have calamity? Or if we're persecuted? Or if we're hungry? Or if we're destitute? Or if we're in danger? Or if we're threatened? Or if, even if we experience death? No. Despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And listen to how Paul then wraps up this, this beautiful picture of the relationship that we're able to share with God and the way it changes every single relationship that we have. He says, I am convinced, I am firm, that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither anxiety. And trust that God is. Anxiety. And trust that God is. Trust that God is powerful. Powerful enough to sustain me through whatever it is that happens tomorrow. Trust that God is love. And that his love for me is greater than any that anyone else would ever seek to share or take away from me. And trust that God is wise. That God sees the season of my life. That God is working in this season. And that God is using me in this season as his instrument for good and for righteousness. Dear single me, don't worry. God's got this. Because God has me. Father, our prayer is for all of those who are part of our church family here today. All of those who have ever felt like that they have been looked at as less than or not as important within a church family just because they were not married. Individuals who have felt that because they have been divorced or because they are now widowed, that for whatever reason they, they do not have the gifts to be able to use in your kingdom. Father, our prayer is for, for those whose relationship is focused primarily and exclusively on you. Father, that they would know that you are powerful, that you are love, and that, Father, that you are wise. And that any anxiety that Satan has brought and, and added into the recipe of their life, that they would abandon that, that they would put it aside, that they would, that they would drop it right here and right now, that they would lay all that anxiety at your feet saying, Lord, I am going to trust you. I'm going to trust you with this stage in my life and with the next and with the next and with the next and with the next. Father, I'm thankful for the fact that you have never told us that there is a perfect way in which to 
to be relationally. You've reminded us that it's not good for us to be alone, and so you've brought us here together in this community today. But Father, this world oftentimes tells us that we are sometimes less than, that we do not measure up. But Father, please take all of those voices and put them away. Allow those who are single here with our presence today to hear your voice and to hear it loud and clear. And Father, I pray that you would also hear theirs as they cry out and speak to you now as they have come to you in the past and as they have laid their cares and their concerns at your feet. Father, I ask that you answer mightily in ways that they can understand and know. And Father, as a church family, married, single, Father, wherever the relationship status finds us, may, may we all be spiritually aware. May we all truly understand that you are the one that completes us. And Father, may you bring us each and every one together in a way that the synergy would be unstoppable here within our society. That we'll be able to work together side by side, living, living there as neighbors and friends, working together in order that your kingdom will might be accomplished. Father, I thank you for the fact that we do not have to be worriers, that instead we can be worshipers. That is what we have done today, is what we'll do tomorrow in our lives. And so we say thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Guys, that pie was really bad that my cousin made. It was, and she has done her, ba her best not to make the same mistake again. And I'm sure that uh, this Thanksgiving we'll have another chocolate pie, and, and it's going to be it's going to be something special to enjoy. And whether you are single or married, I want you to understand that no matter no matter what it is, perhaps that you have had that's been a part of your life or a part of your relationships in the past, doesn't mean that you have to keep those as part of your relationship going forward. And maybe what you need to do today is to bring all that, just lay it down before God, and say, God. I have, I have tried to run everything myself. I've been anxious because of things that have happened in my life. And I just ask for your forgiveness, Lord. I know you'll give it to me, and I just want to be able to trust you more. One of our elders will be in our prayer room. It'll be located in our lobby. You can go and have some private time if you'd like it. Or if you'd like to come before this church family and confess your faith in Jesus Christ, say you'd love to be baptized into Christ. We'd love to celebrate with you. Maybe you'd just like to come and say, church, here I am, single, married, whatever it might be, and I am going to trust the Lord with all that I do. Will you stand and give God praise with me?